Hi, this is Darren Steele, your host of the Think Queerly podcast, where I speak about human-hearted leadership and personal transformation coaching for queer-thinking people. Now, today I want to get into why human-hearted leadership is so important and absolutely necessary right now. So what, you know, I'm seeing and what we're all seeing is this divisiveness in the world. So many polarities. And I think that is where the Tao Te Ching comes in to help, to teach, that we need to be seeking the middle ground. We need to find that place where the polarities meet, which is in the middle. And in the middle is where we can find what we both want that is the same. The polarities, the extreme, are the egotistical needs of the individual or the group who want to accomplish what they want in their own way and aren't willing to compromise or to give or to bend or to just allow the possibility of something when they're in a heated state. And when you're in a heated state, in an argumented state, you're not going to give, you're not going to bend, you're not going to yield. So with this division and anger and cancel culture and protesting and so much worse that we're seeing in the news, you know, it's not hyperbole to say that it feels like we've lost our way as a society. And and many of us feel great angst, even existential angst about, you know, the longevity of humanity on this planet because of um, the impact on uh, our climate or nuclear war. And we're almost 8 billion people. And if everyone is acting out, and that would be hyperbolic, right? Not everyone is, but so many people are looking out just for themselves. And they're driven by the ego, the me, mine, and absolutely not yours. Or I want to win this argument. I want to win this uh, contest of who's the best or who's the most famous. I want to win the most money and not give anything to anyone else. I just want to take, take, take all for myself. The problem is that most of us all want the same thing, except at least in, you know, larger cities and places like North America, we're too busy to be able to look at the solutions or the ways in which we can change our lives. We are only fighting for what we believe is right because we're completely oblivious to other opportunities because we're distracted by having too much to do, so many stresses in our life, or that little device called our cell phone that we're constantly looking at, sitting in a chair, walking, and driving. We're never looking up to see our connection to the rest of the world. You know, in these arguments and, and attacks on social media and cancel culture that's going on, you know, very few people seem to realize that there's a middle ground between each side of the argument, and I mentioned this before. And that middle space is the balance, that very thing that both sides are fighting for. And this is a really strange paradox, the more that you think about it. You know, two people can get so heated and into the argument about who's right because they can't agree on what they both actually want, which in certain situations you could show is pretty much the same thing. What they want is the same. What's different is how they think they need to act in order to achieve the end result 
which is often connected to how they see the world through their core essential moral values or even things like religious beliefs. So where do we begin to solve problems like this? You know, I believe that this is not something we can fundamentally change at the surface level. So, for example, Facebook, and there's so much going on with fake news and argument and the Facebook monitoring, uh, incorrectly assessing a comment as being racist, when in fact, it might have been a conversation talking about racism and trying to uh, break down and explain what was going on. If that platform were to be closed down today, Well, all the people that are there would simply go somewhere else. The technology exists to duplicate something like a Facebook. Or everybody would just pick up more on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or wherever else. Because the surface level is the application, Facebook. It's not the deeper aspect of who we are as human beings and how we act and how we choose to behave. This problem runs deep and it's like water slowly eroding a really rough surface, like let's say sharp rocks in a shallow riverbed. But it's going to take time for that water to flow through over many, many years until those rocks are softened and you could walk on them without stabbing your feet. And it's the same with changing hearts and minds. We can't do it in an argument. We do need to get closer to people in getting to know them and befriending them and understanding their needs and wants, helping them understand our needs and wants. And the closer we get to understanding people and relating to people and building relations with people, the harder it is to dislike them. We might now move from dislike into disagreement. And from that disagreement, the more we talk to the person, of course, There are always assholes out there, right? There's always the person that isn't going to be willing to play the game. But what I'm suggesting here is that you have maybe two people or two groups that have decided, okay, whatever our difference is, we are going to try. We're going to try and have a conversation. We're going to try and figure out why we're so opposed to each other. Now, wouldn't it be great if change like this were easy to teach and to simply share with other people and to model and to lead from And even if the practice itself of making this change requires, you know, a deeper awareness, regular attention, repetition of the practices, and just the awareness of one's own personal growth and transformation in this new way of thinking and being, this new kind of philosophy of looking at the world through human-hearted leadership. But an essential aspect of change at this level, as I said, very deep, not surface level, is what we can call loosely personal transformation. And transformation is a change in your identity. Transformation is required before you can positively impact the lives of others. Because you need to be the change first. If there's something you want to see change in the world, If you are already that change, great, but you may still need to be doing that work and living that work, those practices. And you can't surrender your own needs. You can't give up what you need to survive and thrive as a human being to to be the change that you want to see in the world. But in the practice towards constant and continual improvement that you want to see in the world you can and will be an example to others. 
You know, when people see you as being happier, calmer, less reactive, less argumentative, more compassionate, and just simply at peace and smiling, they will want to know what you know. Personal story, how much more I smile, how much more I see myself smiling in pictures tells me how much my focus on my own personal transformation is working because I used to be a scowler. I very much wear my emotions on my sleeve still to this day. I'm just much better at managing the negative emotions or allowing myself to think that everything is a problem outside of myself. Now, I wish on one level that there was some modern technology and app to make all of these problems who are witnessing of division and discord and anger disappear. We could just say, hey, there's an app for that. Let's download it from the app store and let's solve all of humanity's problems. But there is an ancient wisdom that speaks very clearly to something we have lost in our modern age. And this wisdom is not a religion and it's not dogma and it's not ideology. And that's the wisdom of the Tao Te Ching. And the witnessing, the observation of the natural world that is recorded in its pages has been with us now for over 2,500 years. The wisdom has been difficult for many people to understand. It sometimes can sound out of step with our modern age in 2020. Maybe it's too metaphorical. Maybe it's too simplistic. Or maybe it's just too aphoristic, which is just, you know, short sayings or expressions that reflect basically a general truth or a very astute observation about, you know, society or how the world works. But this is a text that requires a great deal of time to contemplate and read repeatedly. And with each reading, with each contemplation, something new is discovered, something new is understood. Now, I recognize not everyone has time, and they'll flip through the Tao Te Ching, and it'll be like 81 verses. That's, and, you know, it's not even a full page. I just I read this thing in like 45 minutes, but I don't get it. <laughs> That's the beauty of simplicity and aphorisms, that so much can be said in so few words. But when we seek to really understand the most terse, the most short encapsulations of for lack of a better word, let's just call them truths. Or if you don't like that word, sometimes I find it problematic myself. Keen observations about the natural world that can be reflected in how we as human beings interact with each other. When you spend the time pondering it, or when someone like myself spend the, spends the time pondering it, my role then is not just to make it easy to understand the individual verses or the entire text or the core principles, the core teachings, the core lessons of the Tao Te Ching, but what's missing is the how. And I won't be speaking about the how in this episode. That's coming. So the Tao Te Ching teaches us many lessons about how we can live our lives harmoniously with other human beings when we pay attention to how things work in the natural world. What I think is so often missing in dialogue and the way in which many people look at problems in the world is that 
people forget, and, and many religions are very problematic in this way, because many religions seem to think that there's an idea that humans control the earth or control their outside surroundings. And that's not the truth. As human beings, we are part of the natural order of all things on this planet because we are of this earth. What makes us creatures on this planet is the same biological, you know, or similar biological conditions and cells and nutrients that make a dog, that make an insect, that allow a tree to grow. We are all part of this planet and we can easily, by nature, be removed if we adversely affect the climate, so much so that it gets too hot or we overpollute the atmosphere and something goes wrong and we're all wiped off the face of the earth, probably very slowly and painfully. <laughs> but the challenge for us is that we have egos. Egos are this over-identification with the self. This going inward that I want to say disrespects, and it's worth pondering what that word means, but it disassociates disassociates the self with the connection to all things. And we don't have to be religious or spiritual in the understanding with the connection of all things. We can just keep it literal to the planet. We are connected with other human beings. Our very DNA, the cells in our bodies are constantly changing. We share the same air. It's what it is that we are all connected and that when I purposefully try and harm someone else, it's quite likely I'm going to be harming myself in some way. If I purposely disregard or disrespect aspects of the planet by being a high polluter or, you know, many other things, it might be one action. But going back to personal responsibility and leadership and being the change you want to see in the world, if, if you're disrespectful to the planet and many people admire you, they're going to copy you. They're going to take your lead and do what you do. With egos, we find ourselves, if we're not keeping them in check, acting out of alignment with the natural order, with the natural world, which results in harming the planet, its ecosystems, the climate, other creatures. If we do deforestation, if we overfish, in that there's a natural balance, how the, the planet takes care of itself. If we affect that balance in any way, there will be a result. And what we're seeing more often than not is this result is negative. But going back to the metaphor of the water flowing across a very jagged rock, and over time, the surface of that rock becomes more smooth, the opposite is true with humanity's disregard for the health of the planet and respect for the equality and diversity of other human beings. We continually support the rough edges, the jaggedness, the disconnect. And so one of the core lessons of the Tao is this yielding flexibility of water. Water is the dominant natural metaphor that is used throughout the Tao Te Ching. That water is supple. 
it's flexible, it's yielding, and it, it doesn't try to force or control. It finds its way through the cracks and the holes. It makes its way down and over and under. And you can just as easily contain it in a bucket or a cup, but you can't hold it for long. And even if you try to back it up in a dam, it will eventually find its way through. It is powerful and strong in how it can be flexible and yielding. Now, I'm going to come back in the next episode or a forthcoming episode specifically to the 56th verse because that's where six of the core principles for leading your life in a way that takes you out of the ego are found. And what I would call six principles for cultivating a human-hearted life. Another way of saying it, it's just leadership principles, but not in the sense of leading or directing or telling other people what to do, but it's how you lead yourself in your own life with your integrity and authenticity that respects humanity. And just very briefly, this is about our conscious awareness you know, recognizing who we are and our connection with all things. Then there's the principle of witnessing, noticing, observing nature, and trying to be dispassionate and disconnected from our feelings, which can connect and trigger an egotistical response. Then there's having an open mind, and I also call that the gap, that, that middle ground, where we can find that place between polarities to make a connection with other people. Compassion is the fourth principle, opening the heart, which takes us out of our personal need for satisfaction or gratitude or gratification. Humility is one of the really important aspects of human-hearted leadership, knowing when to back off and be like water, play the lower path, willing to let those that might be trying to be above you sort of not lower themselves to your level, but to be there to welcome them and support them. And then the final one is this oneness. The phrase in the Tao is mixing the dust or mixing the dirt, meaning that, you know, also when we die, there is that expression, the biblical expression, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I hate to bring up any kind of religious texts, but we go back to carbon, as do all things when completely exhausted on this planet. So that's it for now. But I hope this gives you some food for thought about human-hearted leadership isn't just about, hey, I'm going to be more compassionate, I'm going to be more feeling, I'm going to be more understanding. I think one of the big problems, problems, challenges, maybe challenges is the better word that I see with the personal development, personal growth market, which I'm a part of as a coach, as someone studying neuroscience and coaching and working on my book about the way of queer leadership. There isn't a quick fix. Like I said, there's no app for that. But I hope that in the work I'm doing, I can provide you with shortcuts, the how, the practices. And going forward, while there isn't going to be a practice or an exercise in this podcast, I do want to suggest that, or I am suggesting that that will be forthcoming. 
this is something I will be doing more of so that if you want to be part of this work for yourself, you can do this. You don't have to, right? This will also be further explained and more delved into in VIQ, the very impactful queer membership for Think Queerly, where I will have more exercises, downloads, and and possibly other trainings that will be exclusive to membership for those of you that want to go to the next level, who are looking to perhaps express experience and help evolve humanity in a way that requires no dogma, no ideology, no religion, but starts from personal responsibility first and recognizes that all it takes is one person. All it takes is one person to be the change. And then when you're being that change, how that makes you feel connected with everything else, how that makes you feel more meaningful, not in an egotistical way, but that what you do can influence someone else to take action for themselves to also be the change that we're all working for to create a more human-hearted leadership and make the world a better place for everyone. Everyone.